Hey, this is TK Cooper, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name's Ross McLeod, and today I'm joined by a man who, after a few injury setbacks, is ready to show the UK indie scene what they're missing. Keeping it 100 as usual, it's TK Cooper. Hi! Alright man, thanks for joining us, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great, thank you, I'm really good. How you doing? No I'm good, my man, thanks for asking. And just before we begin, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me, like me, keep up to date with me at PureTKC on Twitter and Instagram and uh, forward slash PureTKC on Facebook. Okay, and you can find us at Suplex Retweet on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you type that into iTunes, Spotify, Anchor or any good Android podcasting sites, you will find us and our massive back catalogue of content and interviews. So as we start, TK, we'll start this interview the same way we start all our interviews. We just ask, why are you passionate about pro wrestling? And where does that passion come from? So, well, why I'm passionate about wrestling now, I think it's just it's just so much more fulfilling to me now than it ever has been. Like, being a part of the industry has, has made me realize this is the thing I love the most. There's no one portion of wrestling that I don't enjoy. Watching it, being a part of it, putting it together, behind the scenes. Like, the interaction with wrestling is what I love the most, I think. It's just... I don't want to say it's the reason I get up, but it's one of the many. Like, I think about wrestling every day. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. I don't think any of our listeners would disagree with that at all. So, you were in part trained by Travis Banks. Mm-hmm. How was it going from his trainee to his tag partner with him as one third as the South Pacific Power Trip? Uh, I guess some people would see just because of the career paths Trav and I have taken that it's kind of like a weird thing. But I think because me and Trav are always friends, like, despite. Like outside of training, me and Trav hung out a lot in New Zealand anyway, so we were always buds. It was just because he'd been uh, wrestling a few years longer than me, he had a little bit more experience, which meant he had a little bit more knowledge. So transitioning into his tag partner wasn't too far-fetched. Before we officially became the South Pacific Power Trip in the UK, we did team a couple times in Australia, so we, we kind of already had a few bits under our belt before we got going. Alright, fair enough. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and why was it you chose the UK as a base to like start your full-time pro wrestling career? Well, I remember, so I had been, I say wrestling, wrestling in New Zealand is relative because at the time you could only ever wrestle once a month for the company we were wrestling for. So I would have had at best, what's what, 12 times four, like 48 matches in four years, which isn't like, I'd do that in a couple months nowadays mm-hmm. so so i realized after four years i'd kind of exhausted everything i'd wanted to do in new zealand i'd kind of hit the peak i kept hitting a wall and it was really expensive to go to australia back and forth back and forth and i didn't really want to move to australia because that didn't really jump out at me so i think i was just on youtube one day just watching wrestling and one of the suggested videos was uh, progress chapter 13 that they put up there for free and um from there so I watched that chapter and then I saw like all the different people and from there I jumped down the rabbit hole of like looking up Jimmy Havoc, looking up Mark Andrews, looking up Rampage Brown and then finding these other promotions. And I was like, wow, this is booming and this is like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is what I want to be a part of. So pretty much from there, I was like, that's what I want. That's where I think I fit in. So I need to figure out a way to get there. And obviously it's a big transition. Obviously you're moving halfway around the world. Yeah, yeah. How- how did your family react to the news that you were like, you were dropping everything, you were uprooting, and you were moving yourself halfway around the world with no no guarantees, no ends, you know, no anything? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think my family were mostly supportive from what I remember, just because I just finished my university degree, so that was kind of like 
I've done what you wanted. Now I want to go do what I wanted. So they were pretty happy to just be like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Obviously, my mom was mad sad. But, you know, at the end of the day, they just want me to do uh, want me to do well and want me to be happy. So they were pretty okay with the idea of me moving over here and give it because obviously if it didn't work out i could just move home and i you know i could just do like a regular something job but thankfully obviously we're here four years later and it's been moderately good so it wasn't <laughs> wasn't a waste of time but uh, no no they were they were they were super behind me they were willing to let me give it a crack and see if i could land on my feet or not and just at the very least just let me give it a go well it's good at least you had the support there it's yeah, I totally. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, exactly, 100%. So you've talked about as well, the first few months when you came to the UK, it was like nothing seemed to click and you just really, you wanted to go home at some points. Yeah, yeah. So running out of money, the wrestling hadn't quite, and just like the plan was always to find like a regular job because at the time didn't think being a full-time wrestler was was a possibility. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the idea was to get a job and, and a flat and stuff and we were really becoming like um what am i saying like a, ma- a massive burden to my uncle who had put us up for the initial like the plan was to just stay there for a couple months which turned into a couple more so like you could tell that like there was like that awkward animosity of like i can't kick you out because you're related to me but i don't want you here anymore because you're in the way type thing mm. so it was tough like on the bones on the absolute bare bones and then thankfully everything just kind of fell into a place all at once where it's like oh no i have somewhere to live i have like regular income wrestling is starting to take notice of me this might be okay that's good so as you said things started to click around about you know everything at the ones yeah rolling yet names involving matches many of our listeners may be familiar with such as nxt's matt riddle you had the mm. former ICW women's champion martina what did it mean to you the progress of the faith in you so early on to put you in the ring with these these big names? Well, yeah, that was that was the thing where like I knew in the early endeavors that like I was just, I was still trying to find my feet as a character, as a person, as a performer. So I'm in there with like other guys who are on on a similar path as me, like Earl Black Jr., Damon Moser, Chuck Mambo, Pastor William Eva, well, present William Eva, if you if you must. But you know those guys at the time who were also just kind of like figuring out who and what they were. And then to be put in the ring not so far down the line with guys like Hanson and Matt Riddle, just guys like that on that level where it's like, even at that time, they were still on like a massive, like there was definitely a distinction between those are guys on a certain platform and I'm a guy on a different platform. So to be given the opportunity to work with them and arguably smash it and like like have them elevate me was really nice. It was just like really cool. Like, thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope I did it as well as you expected me to if not better type thing so good so we mentioned before you wanting first when it wasn't working out you were wanting to go home mm-hmm. so how frustrating was it you know when when you'd begin to make a name for yourself when you know you wanted to be in the uk you were actually forced to go home at this point oh right yeah well that that was unavoidable really like we i'd known i was on basically a, t- a, t- a ticking time bomb on the original visa whereas like as of the day i landed you got two years and, and when you land and when when you first get here on day one obviously two years seems like a long time but then the closer you get to it you realize oh shit i've only got like a couple months now how what, what's, what's happened so when when the inevitable did come and it was time to go home i just what else can you do really there's not really much you can do not really much you can say it just it's just it's time to go <laughs> Exactly. How much did it mean to you and how heartbreaking was it to hear the Progress fans at your final show on April 23rd in London yelling to you, please come back? That was pretty special. That whole day was crazy. Like, 
the minute the music hit and like we could hear the rumble from the other side of the curtain and then to come out and everybody's already on their feet i was like Whoa. oh wow that got me a little bit you know i'm trying to stay in the mode of it's game time you know i still got this match to get through but um yeah stuff like that it's just like you don't realize how how much of an impact your uh, your fictional character has on other people's lives where like i'm just a guy playing a role but sometimes it means a little bit more to people than you realize which is pretty cool it is indeed yeah uh, so you, you continued when you went back home mm-hmm. you continued to wrestle on the australian and the new zealand independent scene where you're trying to sort your these issues yeah how much how much had the scene there changed and or improved since you had first left to come to the uk uh, I mean, the Australian scene, I'm not really sure too much because I only ever, uh, well, I've really only wrestled for two promotions when I wrestled in Australia. Not by choice, it's just kind of how it always works out. So MCW, which is the one I ended up doing um, three shows for, and they threw me into like a main event storyline where I ended up winning the belt and then losing it the same night, which was which was fun, but like really cool, like just a nice like thankful nod of like, thanks for your hard work, here's, here's a little reward for everything you've done for us which was great and then the new zealand scene has like changed exponentially like i uh, like i don't know half the people who are wrestling in new zealand anymore there's so many more promotions than there was when i first left i don't want to say the scene is booming but it's definitely improving which is which i'm really happy about like there's a lot more people comfortable to be pro wrestlers there's a lot there's a lot more people training properly to be professional wrestlers because obviously like anybody can just like set up a trampoline and you know turn on well, you know, hold their phone up and say, you know, we're a wrestling promotion now, which like arguably some places in New Zealand did come across as, but there are a lot more like reputable sources for good pro wrestling in New Zealand nowadays, which I'm super proud of. And like the guys coming through those training schools are messaging the likes of me, are messaging the likes of Trav of like, what can I do to take the next step? Which is like crazy because by comparison, you know, Trav's in the WWE now and I'm still, you know, like I'm only just only just as of now i would say only just sort of figuring out where i fit in and where i belong and making my way up the ranks properly it's taken me this long it's you know it takes it takes different people different amounts of time to achieve uh i guess whatever you'd measure as success but it's just nice and really like humbling to know that there are these new young wrestlers who have been influenced by like the likes of me and trav like not saying it's just me and trav who are doing it but you know for for instance like there are there are people who who are looking to us for guidance and i'm like wow if i told you my legit story of how i got this far there is no way you'd be asking me for advice type thing <laughs> <laughs> so our listenership has a strong icw following right and a lot of their exposure to that side of the world's independent scene is through former icw champion dct oh he's cool been- yeah he's, he's killing it in mcw at the moment now isn't he he is yeah and we're just wondering is icw someplace we could see you in the future and i yeah, you know, I would, I would love, I would love to get involved in ICW. I don't really know, like, I guess that's the problem that, like, because I live in London and because ICW is up in Scotland, my links up there, like, the people I know don't know anybody in ICW, so it's, it's tough to kind of get a foot in there. And obviously, like, ICW's got a pretty sweet roster, so it's hard to, hard to kind of force my way onto the card there. But God forbid, I'm not trying and haven't been trying. So, <laughs> you know, if anybody, if anybody listening now, you know, at Mark Dallas, let him know. I'm still super keen. I've been keen for the last four years. If there's any spots going, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, ICW is another one on the bucket list that I'm yet to get. I, you know, I've only, I think I've only been to one ICW show. That was literally when it was in London. So um, I guess that must have been a long time ago, really. I can't remember the last time ICW was down this way. But um, yeah, no, ICW is definitely like something I want to tick off. Not just not just to say I did it, but like I'd like to have something substantial to do in ICW too, that, like, you know, have something to sink my teeth into. 
Yeah, it'd be great to see you up there, yeah, because like, we're regulars at the the garage it's in our hometown, so we've got great oh, access. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we're, we're always at the shows, so we'd love to see you there. Yeah, uh, I think the, I think the, fir- the farthest north I've ever wrestled is, is in Sunderland, so... Which, from fun, what I tell, is pretty close to the bottom of Scotland. So I've never, I've never, never up until this point, I've never wrestled in Scotland. So yeah, I would, I would really love the opportunity if it ever came up. I think Sunderland's about four hours from Glasgow, but oh. um, could we, could we see a match with you in DCT either here or down under? Is he living full like long term in Australia, or is he just? I, I don't know. I think he's just taking it as it comes. All right, just taking a bit of time off, having a little breather down in. In Australia, fair enough. Well, uh, I guess my best guess would be probably I would go to him in Australia. Yeah, initials collide. DCT versus TK. (laughs) So I have to ask you about a moment that I assume you'd been dreaming of all those months when you were away trying to sort your visa. It's the electric ballroom. Travis Banks is down. Pete Dunne's about hit in the back of the head with a hammer, and then Keep It One Hundred comes over the speakers, Mm. and the place, as Glenn says, comes unglued. Try put that moment in there <laughs> It really was unbelievable. It really, really was. I knew we'd get a reaction when we came out. Like obviously, like run-ins, surprise returns always get like a nice pop. But mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever in my in my wildest dreams expected to be on that level. Like grown men jumping into each other's arms, like everybody's screaming. Like I've I've been there for the big moments in progress as well. Like I was there when Jimmy came back. I was there when Pasta cashed in. Unfortunately, I wasn't there when Will won the belt. I bet that was massive as well. But like, like moments like that where like big stuff happens, like that'll stay with me forever. Like I'll never forget. <sighs> yeah, no, yeah. Even even when other, you know, even when people talk about it, just in just in regular, like you know, we're at the merch, people will be like, "Oh, I was there when you came back at Chapter Fifty Three, and I'd be like, huh, "Wow!" Like any any time I think about that, it's like just such a such, oh, like it's just sometimes wrestling just just doesn't mean to do something that good on purpose. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it does. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just really organic. It's crazy. It's crazy. My favorite bit of that clip is when it cuts to ringside and there's a guy on the left hand side in a red t shirt. Yeah, with both arms up in the air and he, he doesn't know what to do himself. He's so happy. <laughs> he jumps up and down and he turns and he starts jumping. Then he talks to his friend and he keeps jumping. It's yeah. just, just, just stuff amazing. like that, little yeah. Easter eggs like that make me like every time or any time I watch it back, I'm just like I can't believe that like we induced that to the crowd, like that we that we managed to get that out of you guys. So you went for that unreal high to be followed a few months later by an unbelievable low, as. You know, you had an injury setback, you broke your leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was literally like riding off of off the greatest reaction ever to like the worst, like the, the best situation to the worst situation. What goes through your head at that point? Was there like any part of you that was like, you know, maybe wrestling isn't for me? Or No, it- I'm pretty sure the first thing I thought of was, oh, I, hope it, I hope this will heal in time for PWG. <laughs> I think that was I think that was the only thing I was thinking of because I've I've been dreaming about being part of PWG for the longest time. Like that was my favorite indie promotion when I was growing up. I bought like I would always buy the the special Christmas deal where you could get five DVDs for the price of I can't remember how many. It was a massively like solid deal. So I had like a big collection of like PWG DVDs which I had to give away when I moved over here actually to my best friend. But uh, that that's a uh, that I'm going on a tangent. But uh, yeah, uh, the only thing I was thinking of when when I broke my leg, when I was sitting there looking at my leg just being off, like as w- uh, I've got both heels together at the time, and one foot sticking up like it should, and the other one is flailing off to the side, just like ah shit. Oh, I'm supposed to be wrestling for Beyond tomorrow morning. Oh well, that's not happening. 
yeah it's frustrating because there was there was a part of me because like some the the first doctor the first guy the first responders were saying oh it might just be dislocated we might just be able to put it back and you'll just have like a couple weeks off so that was like Mm-hmm. That was like the that was the best case scenario. But then obviously they cut me out of my kick pad, they cut me out of my boot, took my sock off, and from there from there on I just didn't want to look at it because I was like, I bet it looks so gross if I look at it right now. <laughs> so I was looking at the sky the whole time I was in the hospital, and the doctor was like, Yeah, unfortunately you've uh, you fractured it and dislocated it, so we're gonna have to put it in a plaster cast, and you'll be out for three to six months, unfortunately. And that was pretty. That was that was the point there when I was like, oh, Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. type type thing but like never n- never at any point did i think i might quit wrestling it was just like what am i going to do for the next six months there was no part of me that was like well you know that was a really dangerous thing maybe i shouldn't put myself in this kind of danger maybe i should quit it was just like that was a really dangerous thing i won't do that again okay so you came back from that and at this time you're now a world title contender uh, yeah. you get a, a shot at travis at chapter 62 in london Mm-hmm. And then we're involved in the triple threat match with Chris Brooks at Chapter 63 in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Was this sort of a relief for you that, you know, despite two spells out, you were still trusted by Progress to be that main event guy that they still were invested in you? Well, I think they were just kind of like testing the waters on whether or not I could hang in like in a main event scene, which was my pitch to them of like, can I wrestle Trav? But I think that was like too much too soon for me. Like my leg was still giving me problems. Obviously, I didn't tell anybody, or I didn't tell any fans or any podcasters at the time, but like my leg was still being iffy, so I wasn't totally there when I was wrestling those two matches with Trav and the triple threat with Chris and Trav, just because I was nervous, just because I was worried. But like I, By the time I wrestled Trav, I think I'd had one match, which was against Mike Bird at Live at the Dome, I think, so it was just kind of like... I'd obviously tested it in a match, and I tested it in training, in, in like training matches and running drills and whatnot. But there was there was still a part of me that there was like, oh, I don't know if it feels like 100%, which it probably was. It was just like a placebo in my head, just like afraid to probably put all my weight on the right-hand side like I should be able to. Like I was still trying to compensate with my left side. And it, it, took, it took like a few months for me to settle into like, oh, no, it's fine. Like just, just wrestle like you would normally. And if you try to compensate too much, then you'll probably mess up your other leg. So just just be normal but like that was the hard like internal thing in my head to just kind of be like relax 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 wrestle normal wrestle normal it's fine so you got that opportunity and do you feel at the minute in British wrestling that there'll be more opportunities for you now that a lot of people have left oh yeah 100% you know a lot of them have went you know part time or left full time to join NXT UK or to Mm -hmm. Now more than ever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now more than ever, I think is the time for people uh, like myself, like uh, obviously my friends Chuck Mambo, Spike people like us and other people on our level to step up and show promotions that we can be like the next crop of top level guys. You know, whether, whether that takes us to contracts, whether that just takes us to you know global indie success, whatever that is, I think now is the time to be the best versions of ourselves in wrestling that we can be because because there's so many spots available to the mid card to move to the main event. Yeah, it certainly opened itself right up. So yeah, the WWE tryout in 2017 alongside some other names. Mm-hmm. We interviewed such as Adam Maxted, Stevie Boy, Liam Thompson. Is WWE still your ultimate goal or have you got different goals for yourself at the moment? Uh, you know, I can't say that it is anymore. Like, um, I was saying to Trav and Mambo in different conversations earlier that I think 
originally obviously like growing up all you know is wwe so like once you become a wrestler your main goal is like i you know i want to be at wrestlemania which which i think still is one of is is a goal of mine but like becoming wwe superstar t kuro i don't think in my immediate future is my main goal anymore i think just like at least for the short term i've been thinking like all i want to do is have the best matches on the card every every single time i'm wrestling and even that i realized that doesn't make me feel like successful in wrestling and i might be getting a little bit philosophical here but like the, the main thing i want to do in wrestling is just it's just be fulfilled man because like every week now i've been on the road with like my two best mates just driving show to show and that has been like the most incredible thing like i haven't i've never been this busy in wrestling in the last year and a half so like last year i was kind of just dipping in and out doing it on my own because of like uh you know obviously like uh you know we don't need to get into it but if you know you know you know like personal stuff <laughs> And um, this year, just with my buds, Chuck Mambo and Spike Trevay by my side, it's been like the most fulfilling holistically, like, you know, like mental, spiritual, physical, like wrestling, indie wrestling has been the best. And like, I don't think I want to step away from that just now because it's only just starting. I feel like I'm only just starting to hit my stride. So long term, I'm not really sure. Like, I can't really see myself. Like, it's hard to say now because obviously I can tell you uh, right now, I would say I would happily turn down a contract from from Impact, from Ring of Honor, from uh, AEW, from the WWE. But I, I can say that now. But I feel like if the if the contract ever got put in front of me, like mm-hmm. if someone if so, if someone was to walk in the room right now and be like, "Hey, they've got this contract for you," I I, I don't know what I'd say. <laughs> but at least right at this very moment, I think like I'm having the most fun I've ever had being a wrestler, being in charge of myself, being like a you know like an independent contractor, being a part of Progress, being a part of Rev Pro, being a part of Breed Wrestling, being a part of Riptide. Uh, being a part of North Wrestling, just everything, everything that I'm doing at the moment is just is so good. I don't really have any interest in in moving on because I'm, I'm finally. It feels like I'm finally getting to where I want to be. Okay, so you've released a video on your social media platforms on mm-hmm. 14th February earlier this year, and you know you said that they gave you a reason to stop talking about me. Mm-hmm. What is TK Cooper's plan to get himself? as a talking point yet again well i guess that's the thing like i i, I think i said it in the promo you know like it never i never stopped being good they just stopped like they stopped using well i mean i didn't say this verbatim but you know they stopped using me in a way that made me look valuable so and they being relative to like i, I think all promotions really like i just you know i got to a certain point of popularity because of progress that from there people just started to use me to get other people over and i i never really felt like i got my my time to be like a star, uh, quote unquote. I just got to a certain level of popularity. People realized like, oh, like he's a good face to put on a poster. He's a good matchup for this up and coming person to beat. So I ended up like becoming this popular loser, <laughs> really. <laughs> and I, I never really got my turn to be like the face of anywhere or like the, the front runner of anywhere. So my main goal was just to kind of like throw that in people's faces and be like, hey, like, I don't know why you think you should be putting other people ahead of me when I'm, I'm still just as good as I ever was, if not better, like I've put the time in and, you know, I, I've I've been away. I've gone and done my own thing, and I'm I'm better than ever now. So, like, notice me, <laughs> respect me. <laughs> I'm over here. Look at me. Look yeah, at me. exactly. Like, <laughs> and it just felt like I needed to say like something to just reinvigorate myself, motivate myself, because it felt like I'd been like before that promo went out. It felt like I'd just been like arguably wrestling dead behind the eyes for the last year. Like I was just doing it to do it. Whereas now I feel way more motivated to be like. I want to be a focal part of the British scene. And obviously, I'm despite my non-British heritage, like I'm here to be a part of your scene and 
if I can't make it to the top of it, then what's the point? So I'm, that's basically what I'm trying to do. Well, I, I don't think the Athletic are not British matters. I mean, WWE UK has an Austrian has its champion, so I mean... That's true, yeah, you know, there's an Austrian, there's a Russian, there's a Kiwi. There's so, a Kiwi in there, yes. I mean, there was, their, their first champ was Australian, and arguably so is their second woman's <laughs> champ. So, you know, the door's open, really the door's wide man. open. The, the brand says UK, but, you know, inside, there's a, yeah, there's a few yeah, options, so... So you, you've made reference to them a wee bit, you know, in the later part of this interview. Escaping the mid-card, we speak to uh, Chuck Mambo. Mm-hmm. How did this team come about and what's the plans for this stable going forward? So, well, last year, uh, so obviously me and Mambo are best mates, we hang out all the time, but we realised that we're just on the road all the time and uh, we were kind of big fans of being the elite. So we used mm-hmm. to just like, uh, we didn't used to watch it together, but just like, you know, we used to watch it and chat about it and how funny it was, like, you know, getting to see behind the scenes of what they do at New Japan or what they do at Ring of Honor. So we were like, oh, well, you know, there isn't like a British equivalent. So maybe we should just start filming what we do, considering like we're always together. Like maybe it would be fun. And like the theme of the show, Escaping the Midcard, is obviously like in, in jest, like, this is this is where we are this week. This is this is our progression of how we get out of the mid card, how we make it to the main event because we're just like a couple of you know we're a couple of mid card schmucks at the moment, and it's been a year. Um, and in that year, you know, we've grown and and thankfully I say thankfully, and you know by coincidence, obviously people have been signed up and people move on. So now we are literally like moving up the card. So like from what I've read, people really don't like the idea of the name escaping the mid card because it's like too on the nose and it's just like pigeonholes us as mid carders. But you know, I think it's. As a wrestling, we're trying our hardest to distinguish between the show that is called Escaping the Midcard and the team that is just called ETM. You know, it's like a CCK type thing yeah. where, like, it doesn't actually stand for anything in particular. Like, it's kind of open to interpretation, but that hasn't really worked out. So everybody keeps calling us Escaping the Midcard, the team, which is fine. Well, you know, we'll, we'll figure, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, that, you know, if you push hard enough, eventually people will listen. So if you're out there, internet, uh, podcast land, the team is just called ETM, okay? So, uh, Bear with me. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We're figuring it out as we go. But um, pretty much how the team came about, we ended up, just because of our, our moderate YouTube success, places started to book me and Mambo as a tag team, which wasn't actually the plan originally, but then I guess we just kind of thought it'd be cool to just be like, why, why wouldn't we really? Why wouldn't we team up? And then obviously Spike's a good mate of ours as well. So we've we've turned it into a little faction. <laughs> and um, if you're not familiar, I'm the I'm the champion at Breed Wrestling in Sheffield, and uh, my two buds, Chuck Mambo and Spike Trevay, have helped me hold on to that belt since uh, February. So little nice. uh, little nugget, go out, check them out at Breed Wrestling, Twitter, Facebook, you know all that. Give that a look. The, the champ, the champ's telling you to go look at it. So exactly, you can't you the champ. So again, that's another thing where I guess like the the promo resonated with with the guys at Breed. So then they kind of made us a focal point really like after all that so just places like that taking a chance on like you're a regular main eventers like me mambo spike and other such promotions that are giving us a go on higher up the card like those are the sort of things sorry to answer your previous question about like what am i what am i doing to try and make my way up is like just trying to be more vocal about how i want to be perceived is and i think that's the same like i guess because me mambo and spike hang out so much you know we're all, we're all motivating each other we're all pushing each other like be that in the gym at training on shows like we're all trying to get like incrementally better every time we're out there so to do it together makes it a lot more fulfilling okay so before we finish up are you game for a wee bit of quickfire you got it man so rock or austin rock oh see, see every time someone answers rock they, they automatically go into my favorites <laughs> ogre or savage 
Savage. Omega or Okada? Omega. Tyler Bate or Pete Dunne? Pete Dunne. Chuck or Spike? Chuck. PS4 or Xbox? PS4. Night in or night out? Night out. What TV show are you currently binging at the moment? Crap, what am I watching right now? Uh, <laughs> I just just finished the latest season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, we, we have a massive Nine-Nine following on this Nine-Nine! Nine-Nine! There's actually <laughs> a team in Scotland called the Nine-Nine. I've seen, I've seen. I wondered if that was based off of that. Uh, yeah, was, they even had a promo for the square goal where they ended it by yelling, Nine-Nine! That's, that's great. That's great <laughs> stuff. Favourite venue to wrestle in? The Electric Ballroom. Favourite opponent you've wrestled against? Shane Strickland and Sammy Callahan. Nice. One venue you've not wrestled in, but you'd love to wrestle in? The National Stadium for OTT. Oh, we were so close to going to that this year. What, the, dev- the Devlin versus Star match? Uh, no, the, uh, oh, sorry, I'm thinking of the different. I'm thinking of the Devlin Walter. Ah, bummer. Uh, we were we were so close to going. I think the group have decided that that's going to be your goal next year. We need to go to OTT. Yeah. We, we mentioned ICW earlier. You've mentioned OTT there. One promotion in the UK you'd love to work for. Uh, I mean, obviously ICW, duh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> simple. Fair enough. If you could have your dream match, who would your dream opponent be? Uh, me versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, that'd be an amazing match. Yeah, him and so, the Rock. Him and the Rock are my two faves. So yeah, their match on Raw is incredible. Still one of my favorite matches to watch. So you obviously you've been a part of a few teams. So mm-hmm. if you could be in a, a four man stable, so it's you and three others, right. who would be those, who would be those four men? Hmm. So uh, obviously it'd be me, Mambo. I think it'd be me, Mambo, Spike, and Eddie Dennis. That'd be a great. He'd be a great muscle. Yeah, he's been like he's been like a massive like. Uh, obviously, he trains at the WWE PC when he can, mm-hmm. and like uh, we used to train under him at the Knuckle Locks Academy in Brixton, in London. He used to be he, so he's he's been our like main trainer for the last like year and a bit. So he's been he's had like a massive hand in like in, like making us the the wrestlers we are lately. So like yeah, a lot of a lot of our success, I would say. Obviously, like we put it in practice ourselves, but a lot of the reason we are so much better is because of it I would I would definitely attribute to it he's he's such a good teacher okay and where do you see yourself in five years oh, oh that's not even that far away five years hopefully yeah you know I don't know oh, crap <laughs> <laughs> in five years I want to be you got me you got me I tripped I tripped to <laughs> the final hurdle I uh, I don't know just Things are so good now, just just as they are. I can't imagine how they could get any better. Maybe just escape the mid card. Yeah, you know, I, I guess like without being too cliche about it. Hopefully, in the next five years, I would have like hundred percent escaped the mid card. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a it's a good goal to have. It's yeah. the goal you've got. So thanks um, for the feed, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> line, line. <laughs> so. Uh, See, I've got the script in front of me, whereas you don't, so I'm kind of at an advantage here. So <laughs> so, so that's going to do it here for us at Suplex Retweet. Uh, just before we go, uh, TK, once again, where can people find you on social media? So uh, check me out at PureTKC on Twitter or Instagram or forward slash PureTKC on Facebook. Uh, obviously, you can watch our weekly YouTube show on YouTube, me, Chuck Mambo, and Spike, up to weekly wrestling shenanigans, uh, youtube.com forward slash TKM ETM. That's escaping the mid card. And if you want to support, uh, buy any merch, any bits and bobs, puretkc.bigcartel.com. Okay, and you can find us 
at Suplex Retweet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also find us on iTunes, Android podcasting sites, Anchor, and Spotify. Massive back catalogue with interviews such as Adam Maxted, this lovely one you're listening to right here. Hey. DCT, Seth Rollins, The Miz, Al Snow, oh. Stevie Boy, Mark Dallas, Lionheart, so many interviews. Ooh. You'd be mad not to check it out. I mean, TK's going to check it out just for those things. I feel like I might now. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us, TK, and we'll see you all soon. Bye. Thank you very much for having me. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now